you're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 12. Today we're going to be talking about how the coronavirus has been affecting the entertainment industry. Normally I release these podcasts on Tuesdays, but today I felt like this virus and this pandemic has been affecting all industries. You know, I talk about the entertainment industry here all the time, and it has shut down productions, movie premieres have been pushed back, and it has just shut down the Los Angeles and New York area where a lot of these films uh, are produced and where the premieres uh, are. And today we are talking to a doctor who's been practicing medicine for two decades now, and she's going to explain what it is, how you can avoid it, and what it actually does if you do get it. It's kind of crazy. Stay tuned. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. This one is just a little bit different. We are going uh, on the medical side a little bit. We're talking to Dr. Kelly Stahl. She has been practicing medicine for 21 years now. Uh, Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that coronavirus or COVID-19 has been taking over uh, all industries. And we're here today talking to Dr. Stahl about what we can, what's going on how it's affecting it and how we can prevent everything that is going on doctor how's it going doing fine how are you Uh, I'm doing great actually it's just interesting to see how people react to something like this Um, you see you know on social media people either terrified or they're kind of making light of the situation I agree. Um, There's a good happy medium, too. I think people are taking it seriously, more seriously now. The statistics this morning actually show there's been at least a 30% jump and people are taking it more seriously and actually socially quarantining better. Um, But I think initially, including myself, I took it a little lightly. Yeah. And, And why did you take it lightly? Because initially, when you look at the mortality data, um, they were saying one to 3%, um, which some studies still propose that it's a one to 3% mortality rate, um, which is still a lot higher than the flu. But I thought that we were catching it early and limiting flights out of China and that it wouldn't really hit here. Um, And we were still in the middle of flu season, which had already killed 40,000 people this year as it does almost yearly. See, and that's the thing. And a lot of people are, or first of all, before we really get into that, what is the coronavirus? So coronavirus itself is a virus that has been out for, who knows, thousands of years. um, And one version of it is the cause of the common cold. But there are multiple different variations on coronavirus. Um, The more deadly ones include SARS and MERS and coronavirus that we're experiencing now called COVID-19 is also known as SARS-CoV-2. So it's sort of a different strain of coronavirus that um, causes more serious um, respiratory illness. Yeah. And it's, 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 well, I guess going through school and everything, was there anything like this? Did you, did you see anything like this coming up or like, or is this kind of brand new to you? No, not at all. Um, I would say the last 
several viruses that we've had where we've gotten seriously concerned about since I trained was SARS, MERS, and Ebola. And Ebola is a completely different type of virus and not anywhere near as transmissible as a coronavirus is. Respiratory illnesses are far more transmissible. So, Yeah, and as far as uh, how it spreads, how, how is it spreading right now? It's spread through respiratory droplets. It's an airborne virus. And the biggest issue with that is when people cough, sneeze, etc., you have respiratory droplets that can land anywhere in a six-foot radius. And those respiratory droplets can contain the virus on hard surfaces for up to several days. And one of the major mechanisms of transmission of coronavirus or flu or any other respiratory illness is then somebody else touches those surfaces where that virus is laying and we all touch our face all day long without thinking about it. Even when we know better now, we still find ourselves doing it. So that's a major major source of transmission obviously there is transmission with if you're within three to six feet of somebody who's coughing or sneezing um that's going to be a source of transmission as well putting your mouth in your sleeve when you're coughing or sneezing is helpful it still doesn't completely block all those respiratory droplets yeah and that's why i guess i it's i i'm not taking i'm it's not that i'm not taking it seriously but like the stuff that you're talking about like covering your mouth when you're coughing or sneezing, washing your hands, not touching your face, like I'm already doing that. And to be honest, my hands, I don't know how much more like soap and water and hand sanitizer they can take. Right. The problem is, is most people are actually not that good about it and they may not realize that. Um, And even now that we know we're supposed to be better about it, you'll find people not really paying attention um, to how many different things that you touch before you think about washing your hands. you know, you even just think about your wallet, like, you know, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm paying for stuff and I've actually taken hand sanitizer and cleaned the outside of my wallet, but it wasn't until today. I went and took all the credit cards that I normally use and I took them down and I wiped them off um, because it's still sitting in there. Wipe the handles on my purse. Um, you know, you think about the door handle on your car, all these things that you're touching in between when you may have had gloves on or just been somewhere and then you come back before you can wash your hands again you've probably touched 50 different things and that's why it's kind of like i'm doing my due diligence but it's almost i feel like almost impossible to avoid it because like you said like if i go to the gym and i put my phone down who knows what's been on that but i mean i still sanitize that when i leave Mm -hmm. but it's like even my headphones right i could have set my headphone just not think i lose my headphones all the time so you know to clean them is like a whole different thing too but i feel like it's almost impossible to not get it unless you literally just lock yourself down but even then you still got to go out and get stuff and god knows what you're gonna get out there right and how how often can businesses clean everything all the time And that is what the CDC is saying. At least 80% of the population will in the next year to year and a half contract coronavirus. Part of the problem is we have almost no immunity to it. It's a brand new virus. So we have no antibodies that we've ever formed to it because we've never been exposed to it. Other illnesses, flu, most of us have had some exposure in the past. So you may have a few antibodies here and there that may provide partial protection. With a lot of illnesses, it's it's related to the amount of viral load or bacterial load that you get exposed to, whether or not you get sick. But with this virus, because it's so highly contagious and we have zero antibodies to it, if you get exposed to it, you're going to get sick. Now, the degree of illness will vary from person to person. 
maybe partially in response to how much viral load you're exposed to, your underlying immune system, which includes things like sleep, anxiety, diet. So it is almost impossible to avoid getting it. So part of it is just maybe reducing the amount of viral load that you're exposed to to reduce the severity of the illness that you're going to get. And what are the symptoms as of right now, uh, as of recording this, you know, we're talking about it, it's March 25th of 2020. So, you know, what are some of the symptoms that people are getting right now? So the main symptoms that the CDC originally um, put out on the media and this main symptoms that you still see are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Not 100% of people with COVID-19 will have a fever. The majority will. They're also seeing body aches, bad headache. Um, There are a few people out there getting diarrhea or nausea and vomiting um, that sort of precede the respiratory symptoms as well. Um, Initially, they told us, oh, you don't really see sore throat with it. Now they're coming out and saying, yes, some people can have sore throat with it. And so that's part of the problem, too, is you have flu season is still tapering down. Very similar symptoms to the flu. Um, When you start adding cough, shortness of breath, sore throat, it's now allergy season in Georgia. So some of those symptoms are starting to crop up. And so people panic until you start getting the fever, the headaches, and the body aches to go along with it to know, is this allergies or is it COVID-19? We're getting a lot of phone calls. I have a cough. What do I do? Well, that's and that's what you told me, which is a little concerning, is you're not able to test right now for coronavirus. I've tested a few people. Um, When you go strictly by the CDC guidelines, really the only people who should be tested are those with known exposure, known travel to areas of um, high concern, um, healthcare workers with potential exposure, people ill enough to be in the hospital. But then you see other sources saying, we really need to test more to get a better feel of what is the mortality rate, how much has it spread, and these other labs have now come out with their own tests. The lab that I use has their tests. LabCorp has a test. Multiple other um, labs have tests. So I've had a few patients who are a little bit higher risk or wanting to go back to work and work doesn't want them to come back. So I've tested them. We're on day six. I don't have any results yet. Um, and now I've got five tests left, and our lab says they can't even give us 10 more tests because supplies are that short. I don't have any face shields, so they want everybody to wear all the personal protective equipment to do the test. I've never had the face shields. It wasn't required for primary care up until now, so I've had gowns. I'm limited. Um, I have the masks and I have gloves, but I've never had a face shield. So we're doing the tests in the parking lot and just knowing that I'm not fully covered. But you're seeing people taking care of patients in the ICU who don't even have the N95 respirators. Um, We're just severely limited at this point. And see, that's what scares me a little bit as the people who are infected, who aren't getting because you hear about respirators and ventilators being like just super short Mm because they can't handle everything. That to me is a little concerning. Yeah. I think one thing that people don't realize too, when you talk about the overload on the healthcare system, most hospitals are at close to full capacity frequently anyway. There's a limited number number of pulmonary and critical care doctors, and they work their rear ends off on a regular basis anywhere. They're usually always exhausted, and now we're doubling and tripling their workload, and there's nobody to replace them. Um, in Italy, they told all the medical students, you're graduated. You're coming to the hospital to help. That's how desperate it is. And they've already had to start making decisions. They said people over 60, they're going to let them die because they do not have the resources to treat everybody. And so that's the biggest reason why we really need to socially quarantine right now and limit the spread so that we can get the supplies that we need, get more ventilators available, figure out work shifts, 
so that we have the healthcare workers to take care of the sick people. And that actually, I'll be honest with you, when I read that article about um, people over 60, you know, and then uh, dying as well as the uh, people in the medical field working basically over time as is, it's like somebody said something along the lines of like, if you're self quarantine, like you're saving, you're saving lives by just yes. staying put because it's giving more break than you know to the people who work in the medical field. Right, and that's part of the the problem too, is people wanting to go get tested just because they have a cough and a little bit of shortness of breath going upstairs and a fever, but you're putting everybody else at risk going in for testing if you're not sick enough to be in the hospital. It's not necessary to find out what you have, just quarantine, just assume that's what it is, um, because we're gonna run out of healthcare workers. Um, All those who are already in quarantine, they have to be quarantined for a minimum two weeks. If they catch it, they're supposed to be in quarantine for three weeks. I've already started reading articles in Europe about healthcare workers that are on week two and they're being told they can go back to work in two days. You shed virus for 21 days when you get COVID-19. You shed it for a full three weeks. Is it possible to, since we're not, or how, like, what is the actual test? Like, if you had a test in front of me right now, what would it? Well, I wouldn't have a test in front of me right now. I've never seen one. (laughs) Well, I mean, the swab, yeah. yeah. Oh, so the swab itself The current swab that they have that they're recommending that we do is just the nasal swab. Originally, they were talking about doing um, pharyngeal swabs. They found that it's not really necessary. They're not that that? effective. Doing a throat swab. Throat swab, okay. So the nasopharyngeal swab is you take a swab, and we have to stick it parallel to the palate or the roof of your mouth and stick it all the way back in your nostrils. So we're basically getting towards your sinuses. And then remove it, twisting it. So it only needs to be in there for a few seconds. We have to do that on both sides. So it's oh worse than a flu test. God. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It is terrible. Is that painful? It sounds It's extremely painful. uncomfortable. I've never done it to myself. I hope never to have to. <laughs> I didn't know it was like that. It's bad. So the self-testing that they're hoping to come out with, they said by the um, March 30th, they said it does not require you to go as far back, which is good because most people are not capable of doing that to themselves. I'm sorry. I'm still a little in shock and like how like you just shoving it that far up your nose. Um, yeah. Like you say uncomfortable. I say, I know that that's medical term for painful. Um, oh man. So, but if you're, if people are, uh, experiencing cough fever and they think they have it or they, you know, with allergy season Mm -hmm. or, you know, it could be a cold or anything. Is there anything they could, is there any home remedies? That, that are like, I mean, because you kind of have to treat yourself unless yeah. you really feel like we're you're saying in- Tylenol for the fever and the body aches. Um, you know, we're seeing that there's a shortage of inhalers um, because you do feel short of breath and that may help with a lot of respiratory viruses in the past when people get wheezing or shortness of breath, we'd give steroids, but we found that steroids prolong the viral shedding with COVID-19 and it's not really helping. Mm. So they're absolutely recommending staying away from steroids. Um, so it doesn't really give you a lot of treatment options. So the problem is when you're at home, there is no treatment. There's only treatment if you're sick enough to be in the hospital. Um, and even that we're running short on. There's been a run on the hydroxychloroquine because they came out and said this is helpful um, in com- combination with azithromycin. Um, the other medication that was used for Ebola and um, SARS is effective, but there's a limited supply of that as well. So we don't have medicine to treat people at home. There's, they're desperate enough. Some of the hospitals now are actually trying to use antibodies from people who've recovered from COVID-19 and give it to people dying in the hospital, but there's no proven benefit to that, but they're running out of choices. So how do you know you need to go to the hospital? Um, 
So there's a difference between being a little short of breath with exertion due to COVID-19, meaning, you know, walking up a flight of stairs or walking around the house. If you're short of breath sitting, um, some of the guidelines that we use just for pneumonia in terms of hospitalization in general is tachycardia, meaning elevated heart rate. If your heart rate's 130 or higher, if your blood pressure's dropping, if you have a high fever that won't come down with Tylenol, um, those are reasons to go to the hospital, especially if maybe you're not quite as severe, but you have an underlying chronic medical condition, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, underlying COPD or emphysema, asthma, um, heart conditions, men with high blood pressure, those are all high-risk conditions, and you would be a little bit better off being on the safe side and considering going to the hospital sooner rather than later. And it's mainly affecting people over 60, is that correct? Or is yes that, and no. Okay. So we're seeing about, I think people are falsely assuming they're safe. So 20% of cases hospitalized have been in the age 20 to 35 group. Um, no, they're not really dying from it. There may be a few, um, but they have been sick enough to go to the hospital. Um, you're seeing almost, not quite as high, but a similar infection rate in kids under 20, but they do not die from it. They have a milder illness than adults do. 46% of the deaths are in people in the 60 to 85 age range. Um, so the majority of the deaths are in that age range. So yes, the worst infections are people 60 and over, um, but they still don't, it's not 50% of the infections, it's 50% of the deaths. Gotcha. And is it possible to for this to get worse as far as like symptoms? Because I know like right now it's like fever, cough, sneezing, sore throat stuff, but you know, I, and I say this, like there's nobody's skin is like falling off or like they're like they're mm -hmm. bleeding from their ears or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, is there any way no. this is going to get to that point? No. I mean, that's basically being transmitted a completely different type of virus. Like Ebola is a hemorrhagic virus where it's bloodborne. That's completely different. So you're not going to see anything like that. Mm -hmm. The issue with COVID-19 is the respiratory part of it is it causes an ammonia and it causes a, a pneumonia that's fairly identifiable on CT scan. It's, it has some similarities to other types of pneumonia, but they're starting to recognize the classic signs that you see on CT scan. So it can cause varying forms of severe pneumonia, which is why you're seeing people need to be on the ventilator, um, causing adult respiratory distress syndrome and organizing pneumonia and things like that. So those are very difficult to treat. Even in the hospital, the, the medicine is trying to stop the viral growth in the body, but otherwise treatment is really just supportive, trying to support the lung function, um, support vital signs until the patient can fight off the virus. And that can take weeks. Weeks. And that's why, the, and since it affects the uh, respiratory system, that's why with the lungs, you were saying, um, and for people who don't know what ammonia or something like that feels like, like a full-blown case of coronavirus, are we like, could you kind of describe what? The, well, one like of the descriptions from somebody who's gone through it in Italy was basically like drowning. It just feels like you're drowning in your own fluid. Jesus. Wow. Well, yeah, they, that's, and I, I don't even know what to say after that one. <laughs> um, I just want people to, you know, be prepared and things like that. How can uh, people 
prepare their home better for, uh, yeah. for I think something one like of the this. big things is even though they've come out and said, don't, you know, congregate in groups of more than 10, really, there's no reason to be with anybody unless it's your direct family closer than six feet. Don't let it spread. Um, if we don't want to overwhelm the medical system and you don't want people that you love and care about to die, then don't do it. It doesn't matter that they're a good friend and you're only getting together with two other people. You're still risking the spread of it. And you don't know, maybe it's not going to directly kill somebody that you know, but it might kill somebody that that other person knows two lines down. So as an example, my kids love playing with other kids in the neighborhood. Um, they like riding their bikes and all that. And we were letting them do it until this past week. But then I realized because I'm still at work and even though I'm seeing very few people a day, I'm trying to protect myself. The biggest risk is me bringing it home from work. God forbid I give it to my children who are going to be just fine with it. They're going to give it to their friends who are going to be fine with it. They're going to have a cold, but they give it to their dad who's 40 years old and may have high blood pressure, and then their dad's going to die from it. I don't want that on my head. So I've told my kids, I'm, you cannot play with anybody else in the neighborhood right now. Yep. My family is quarantined at home. My husband is home with the kids, and we're not inviting anybody over. Um, my mom and dad are both 80 um, with heart conditions. We are not seeing them, period. I'm not going to their house. I'm not coming to our house. What if our parents are 60 years old and up, retired, and you've tried to tell them to not go to the grocery store and not go out and stay in because they're more susceptible to it and they are sometimes stubborn and they won't yes, do it. Yes, that is natural for that age range. We had that problem last week. I think my parents are understanding a little bit better now. Um, so, it just keep reiterating the same thing. Forward links from online of other doctors recommending this. Um, sometimes when it comes from another authoritative source it will be listened to better than when it comes from a family member um i found that to be sometimes effective and is there anything you could say to those people yeah. who and don't? one thing i would say too is one of the examples is there's a, a researcher from university of washington he was a um, vascular biology researcher he was extremely healthy he was 73 years old but i mean he would hike mount rainier extremely healthy he died of this so even though he's a little bit older he did had no medical problems if you can hike Mount Rainier, he was in good shape. He died. And why? Like and he how? was one of the premier researchers in this country, and we've lost him. To COVID-19. To COVID-19. But like how? Like how? Like if he was in that good of shape and like he's, I know he's a little bit older, is it just like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but I mean, that's life. We don't always, we don't understand everything 100%. Why is one person's immune system more susceptible at this point in time than yeah. another? That's crazy. Well, and my last kind of question is there, I mean, is there as of March 25th, is there a cure right now for this? No. I know they've come out. Um, President Trump made a comment based on studies they've been doing in France about hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination achieving virologic cure, but we do not have enough numbers to, to definitively state that that is the cure. Just because it's worked in some people does not mean that it will work in everybody. At this point, should people be panicking? No, absolute panic never helps. Panic makes things worse. There should be no panic. When you cannot change the outcome of something, panicking does, it's of no benefit. You need to stay at home, focus on what's important. If your family is healthy right now, keep them that way. Enjoy spending time with your family. I'm a person of faith, pray. 
this is the time to realize what's truly important. And yes, a lot of people are suffering right now bank account wise. They're out of work. Um, businesses are slowing down. But we need to help each other, help each other by staying home. You know, it's, to some point we may need to risk a little exposure. If your neighbor doesn't have food, they haven't been able to go out, then find that out and help them. I have not a huge supply, but I have some N95 masks. I'm trying to limit my use. Like I said, if people are not seriously ill, I'm telling them don't come in. I've already contacted a friend who's a pulmonary critical care doctor at the local hospital, and she said they're low right now. They're not out. I said, when you are out, let me know, and I will bring you my masks. It's more important that you have them. I saw somewhere real quick, they're saying for just average people who aren't sick to not buy the masks. Is Correct. that right? And Correct. why is that? I mean, I, I just ran to the store today. I'm not going to wear a mask. There are fewer and fewer people in the stores. You can socially distance while you're in the store. The main thing is hand hygiene while you're in there and when you leave. The coronavirus, the studies that they've done so far show it's not going to last in the air itself for any length of time to cause transmission as long as you're not actively in the breathing space of somebody else, especially if they're coughing, et cetera. So right now it's fairly easy to socially distance, um, even in the grocery store. Um, I didn't wear gloves in the grocery store. Um, I just made sure I used hand gel um, very liberally. Um, when I got out and immediately got back in here and washed my hands and we're very good in the office. Like when people come in and out and touch that doorknob, we're immediately behind them using one of our medical grade wipes and wiping the door handles and things like I did it before this ever happened, but I don't like to spread germs unnecessarily. I've always cleaned my laptop, my mouse, my phone, my stethoscope, my pens, my phone, you know, my cell phone at least once a day with a medical grade wipes. Now, anytime, if somebody's in and out on the few chance, times that I see a patient, we just do it. We're wiping everything down. And how, I shower as soon as I get home, my clothes go in the washing machine. And how, I mean, how long do you think that this could possibly last? Until there's either Well, the main issue or, is, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's gonna last. As, it, as we've said, it's in the next year to year and a half, the entire population or 80% of the population will come down with it. We just need to slow it down until the point that we have a vaccination and or we have more medicine, some definitive answer on what is the best way to treat people who get COVID-19 and to make sure that we have enough ventilators, we have enough medicine, we have enough protective equipment. Gotcha. And is there, if you, if somebody asks you, what is the main thing I can do? What is the one or three things they could do to make sure that I don't get this or, or they can like protect themselves from this. Stay at home. If you can, if your job's allowing you to stay at home, stay at home. Like I said, don't, don't even gather in groups of 10 or less. Don't gather period. Wash hands frequently. Pay attention to the number of things that you touch a day and how many times you touch your face. Last question. Where, as far as, cause there's so much information out there. Is it, should people just be on the CDC website or like where should they be? Primarily the CDC website. The CDC website has most of what you need to know. A lot of the information I get, I do get from medical emails. I'm getting the reports out of France and Italy. Um, as a general rule, when no offense, but when a reporter gets medical information and they try and rephrase it, it somehow changes that original information and makes it inaccurate. And there's always, unfortunately, hype involved as well. Um, the more exciting it sounds. So you think you're just tweaking a little bit, but it totally changes the information is creating panic. That's a whole episode in itself. Trust me. (laughs) I don't watch the news. I haven't watched it in years. Made me much happier. Um, 
go to a legitimate source. So the CDC website, the and CDC website will do just fine. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, even if you need to find links to like Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic, someplace that's very reputable. So, you know, you're getting reliable information, but your general media, they're going to, and I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally at this point, but they don't oh, realize do- when they take data and they're trying to represent it, they actually change the information and it's incorrect. I know even a couple of weeks ago, I would occasionally look to see what some of the other news sources were saying and the numbers didn't add up. They didn't make sense. I'm like, that they got that all wrong. <laughs> I know. I know that. Like I said, that's a whole, it's called clickbait. Yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, whatever, ble- if it bleeds, it leads. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what's going on right now. Um, yeah, so that's a whole nother episode. But I seriously thank you for taking the time to talk with me in person in these crazy times. I know we're going to desanitize yes. after this, um, but I'll put all your information below. But uh, where can people find you? Or your website? Uh, website is stallprimarycare.com. Right. And the CDC website, I believe, is cdc.com yeah you can go to cdc.com and they'll provide different hyperlinks on there based on what you want to find awesome great thank you you're welcome all right that does it for today's episode thank you so much for listening i really do appreciate it and i would love your help this podcast is brand new so i need all the help i can get if you would just subscribe to the podcast leave a five-star rating i really really would appreciate it and last but not least i got a little something for you For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in on-camera professionals, and I'll see you there.